For me, the big myth is that people resist to change. Hi, you're listening to the Learning Company Podcast. My name is Jim Morris, and I'm happy to be your host. This podcast discusses what it means for organizations and employees to stay relevant in today's rapidly changing world. And once again, we're going to taxi down the runway of learning and development and get cleared for takeoff on today's topic, change management. My guest today is Camille Gielkens, CEO, Schouten and Nederson Group. Camille, welcome. Thank you, Jim. It's great to have you here. Nice to be here. Uh, Camille, a lot has been said about change over the years, way back to Charles Darwin, who reminded us that it's not the most intellectual of species that will survive, but uh, those most able to adapt to change. We hear many people tell us that change is the, the only constant thing in life. So it's no secret that we need to prepare and equip people for change. But my question is, what surprised you when you started digging deeper into the subject of change? What didn't you expect to discover? Around 20 years ago, Jim, I started my career as a strategy consultant. And we did a lot of analytical work with, with many multinationals around the globe. And we wrote beautiful reports. But then of the, at the end of the day, nothing was happening. There was no change. And actually, I was getting really frustrated. And I tried to understand what's going on. And my first idea was we just need to make better reports. We need to have better answers. But then I learned that's really not the key. It's all about the way if you touch people, if you really touch their hearts, because if you don't touch their heart, my lesson is no change will happen. Right. And uh, uh, that shows us how long all of us have been affected with change. I mean, you're saying 20 years ago. Mm. Most recently, obviously, a lot has changed for many of us. The, the whole world changed with, with COVID. Yeah. And I think that changed how businesses work, how learning works. But I'd like to ask, in that period, how has change affected you, Camille? Well, I joined, uh, of, I became CEO of the Schouten Nelissen Group uh, around four years ago. And my dream was to make every program blended, had to really combine the best of technology and people have to offer to measure the impact of every program. And in the first year, we tried hard, we were pushing, but I had a feeling I was pushing. Right. And then suddenly, you know, when COVID came, our whole agenda became completely empty. You know, 80% of the work we do was face-to-face, -face, agenda empty. First reaction was oh, a little bit of fear. What's happening? Yeah. And then I saw, hey, there's actually a big opportunity here because the why of making programs blended and by really using technology and, and of our programs virtually, you know, everybody understood clients, colleagues, suppliers, and we really united together because we understood it rationally, but we also really felt the need and we, our heart uh, opened up for, for offering everything blended. Yeah. So we, we were all faced with this and we were, the time was forced on us. We, we mm. suddenly had time. So ch change was there. It's something we could, we could really pay attention to. Why? I mean, it's always been an important subject, but why now? Why is change relevant for companies? Well, I was in Stuttgart, we were just talking about it. I was in Stuttgart uh, last Friday with some colleagues. Uh, and then they had a big challenge because they, they had really good products, but clients wanted a lot more services. But the market was so complex. There were competitors from all kinds of different areas. So they were really searching what to do and also who will do it. Yeah. So think about that, that conversation we had last Friday. You know, the world is getting a lot more complex. It's changing so quick. You've got uh, competitors from all kinds of different areas just to, 
to understand it and get your head around it and, and really open your heart. That's not an easy thing to do. No, it, it, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. I, but I know that you have given this a lot of thought. Mm. So help us. Uh, it's not easy. We've got people listening to this podcast. Help us. What's your vision? How should we approach it? What do we need to do then? You know, I've come uh, from a family with a lot of painters. And when I look at how they innovate, when how they deal with change, you know, they often ask a question. If you look at the blank canvas, what do you really want to create? Hmm. And for me, that's really the first step. Know who you are, know what you want to create. In a way, what do you want to leave behind? Hmm. Almost know your values. Know your values. Right. Exactly. Right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you cannot create change if you don't understand your environment. And what I see there is that we often uh, try to look at the things we know. Right. Yeah. But I want to look at the things we don't know. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. really understand what are the key trends? What's possible? And what if, you know, what do we do if something happens? So we are not in the casino, you know, you cannot forecast or, or bet on a certain future, but think in multiple scenarios, I think in multiple futures. Mm, mm. So if you know your values, you know who you are, you know your environment, then it's really the moment to think about what do I really want? Right. What's my vision? What's my dream? Where do I want to be in, uh, in five years time? And that's a difficult thing because... The analytical part we sometimes can do, you know, you can make a process, sure. but then letting all the things you learned, letting it go to open up for your dreams to, you know, you really need to go to touch your emotions. Well, that's what I, you've mentioned yeah. it a couple of times. And that's what strikes me when I talk to you, mm. specifically to you about change. You, you keep saying that it has to touch your heart. So it's all very well for uh, a company to come with their vision yeah. on change, but it feels that change is something you've, you've, still got to kind of sell to the people. People are going to say, yeah, but how, how does it affect me? And yeah. it seems that what you're saying is it, you'll be able to do that if you make sure that the change touches people, people's yeah. heart, that it, that it really comes in. And that brings me back to the meeting we had on, on Friday on Stuttgart, uh, because how do you create change on a large scale within large organizations? And mm. then you see it's often about mid-level management, and then you need, don't need to sell the program to them. They need to experience it themselves. So it's really also a bottom-up process and let them experience what do you really want? Where do you want to go? What kind of company do you want to create? Right. So it's really top-down and bottom-up. And then you come up with new initiatives. And what I learned, it's really about experimenting, prototyping, see what happens, get customer feedback, see how the market reacts. If it works, you can scale up. If it doesn't work, you need to go back to your drawing board well, that, and do it again. Well, that's very interesting because we, on the last podcast that we did, we had uh, Roderick von der Mola here. He was talking about entrepreneurship yeah. and also the, uh, encouraging people to uh, to take ownership, to experiment with things. Mm. The flip side of that was we, we agreed and we realized that organizations need to allow for failure for the moments when things don't work. So it's great to hear you say, yeah, you've got to have a vision on change. You've got to make sure that it touches people's heart. Mm. And then you experiment, but it's not always going to go well, is it? So yeah. you need to be, and certainly in your position as a CEO, you need to say, listen, if it doesn't, fine. We prototype, we try again. We, we start and we keep going until we find something that works and, and, and then we can scale up. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, actually, what you say reminds me of the, the, the process we went through uh, three years ago, you know, when we said we want every program to be blended. Sure, yeah. And then people said, well, you know, we tried it two years ago. Didn't work. Sort of a citizen. Yeah. There was fear. What am I going to do? You know, I love to have face-to-face -face sessions and now I need to do it virtual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are all emotions that are there. Yeah. 
And what I learned from, from that process is you really need to take those emotions serious. You cannot push it away. No. But really talk about it. No. Put them in the open and see how you can actually use it as a trigger to accelerate change. I'm thinking back to your family of painters suddenly yeah. because uh, you me. mentioned the, the blank canvas. And I, I guess in one sense, COVID was our blank canvas. It forced a blank canvas on us and it, it allowed us mm. to then rebuild and rethink. And obviously this po podcast is very much geared towards learning and development and, and, and how people learn and how businesses have changed. Mm. So uh, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that cynicism that you talk about and fear as well, because we are, we're afraid of... Of, of of change, uh, we know that there's a, a a wonderful quote by um, by Dr. Rachel Botsman that I always go back to, and she she actually talks about trust. But I think Camille, it, it could relate to change as well. And she says trust is a confident relationship with the unknown. And I think the same could be said about change. It's 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 always there, but there are going to be unknown elements in any change process. Yeah. So how do you? with your position of responsibility and, and, and a leading role that you take in, in, in uh, Relevance, the learning company. I love what you say, by the way. Deal with cynicism and fear. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you say about having, you know, a, a confident relationship with the unknown. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about it because that's the opposite of, of fear. It's the opposite of cynicism. It's also the opposite of judgment. But there's always going to be unknown when you bring yeah. change. So how? what are our tips or tricks or what do we suggest to deal with that? Because yeah. that's a very human thing, isn't it? Yeah. Cynicism, fear, maybe judgment as yeah. well. When I look at the, the change progress programs I've been involved with, it starts with having an open mind. Yeah. Really uh, look, at, look at things from a distance. What are the patterns? Um, don't have any pre-assumptions, but really be open. Mm. Have an open mind. You cannot do that on your own. It's really organized discussions with peers, stakeholders. You, you talked about painters, maybe painters, <laughs> yeah. people with a really different idea. Get them together yeah. and try to understand. That's really about understanding. Right. If you understand, then it's all about having an open heart. Yeah. What's possible? You know, we both have been in PQ, for example, positive intelligence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like the question there. What's actually the positive thing that can happen? Yeah. And that's for me the essence of an open heart. Something happens, how can we turn it into something good, something positive, mm. and really get your heart around it mm. um, and be open. Sure. Then when you have an open mind and an open heart, then all it's all about doing. Yeah. Prototyping, experimenting. Huh? Uh, I call it open hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, start doing it. Don't be afraid. You know, I've lived in China for 10 years. Uh, yeah. And a famous sentence there is, you know, uh, if you want to create change, only think about your first step. Yeah. So if you know your first yep. step, you get moving, and then you will create change. Yeah, yeah. It's almost that. It's it's a well-worn cliche, but but every journey, you know, even the longest starts with that sure. first step. At, at, but coming back to the wisdom of the Chinese, it starts starts with a yeah. first step. And if you start contemplating, what should my first step be, or can I do it, or you know, you make yourself small. Yeah, I do. I do understand. I mean, you you've mentioned open heart a lot. I do want to just make sure that we're not talking about always positive thinking as such. It's realistic thinking. Mm. The, the, the tough stuff in life isn't going to go away, but it's about looking at things realistically and change is, is, is a very real thing that we have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just to sort of recap on what, what we've mentioned so far, what you're saying is, you know, know your values, uh, understand your why, you know, so why is there a need to change? Uh, we're looking at then a vision, but that the, that one that touches your heart, which yeah. is clearly so important. Uh, experiment, prototype, and if it works, scale up. But really, if you're going to have success, it's about being open-minded. It's about having an open heart 
and then open hands. That's a beautiful summary, Jim. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. Uh, having said all of that, uh, there are some myths surrounding change. Yeah. And I just wonder what what's the one that you that always strikes you when when people talk about change. What's that that myth? I mean, you mentioned earlier that you know twenty years ago you've tried it and not not much happened. But what's the what's the myth? For me, the big myth is that people resist to change. Mm. That they don't want they don't want it to happen. But they do. There's cynicism. There, there, there's fear. fear there's, there's judgment. judgment. So they do. Yeah. If they are pushed to change, then you will get your cynicism your fear, your judgment. But if you're able to help people to understand, to look at the brutal facts as they are, look mm. at what's possible by really ha having an open heart, then you will see people actually embrace it. We saw it in our company sure. uh, during COVID. Sure. I saw it in so many companies around me who really changed themselves, who really built a company they have been dreaming of for years. And suddenly it was possible because the why was clear. Mm -hmm. People felt the urgency and really uh, wanted to do it. So there was no push. No. It was really pull. And I think if you get there, then the real magic can happen. So uh, what you're saying is involve people. You've got to get their buy-in and, yep. and, uh, and that's about involving them, yep. involving them in the process. Yep. So change mustn't be shouted from the ivory tower at Relevance, the learning company. Yep. It's about involvement of everybody because change touches everybody. And that's also, I think, in my role as a CEO, my role is to, to throw the, the stone a little bit far away. For mm -hmm. example, we want to do everything blended. Yeah. But then I have a lot of people think about, so... What is it? Why should we throw the stone? How are we going to do it? So really leave a lot of blind, open spots for people to, to share their vision, bring their vision in. And then it becomes a shared vision. Because if it's my vision, nothing will happen. If it's a shared vision, real change can happen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it sounds like, you know, Relevance, the learning company, we, we had our hand forced slightly by COVID, but it went well. And taking those those five steps mm. in the approach that we mentioned. But you have a lot of contact with with, with many companies. You were in Stuttgart uh, last week and, uh, you know, you travel a lot and you've, you've lived in China. And I just wonder when you look around, um, how well do other companies cover this subject? What, what attention or how do you see them addressing change and change management? Uh, actually, I was in another talk uh before the podcast with a large financial institution and they also want to create change and they spend so much time on the process. Mm. They almost want to control the process okay. of change by micromanaging it. And for me, that's the best way uh, for killing in involvement from other people. It's the best way to kill creativity. It's right. the best way to, to close an open heart. Right, right. So over-controlling, pushing, because what I learned that the process was of the... the, the from their perspective, the change happened too slow. But what's, so, the, what's the concern behind that behavior then? Why, why do you think they feel time. they need to micromanage? That's interesting. I asked them actually, I asked them this question and they said, we don't have the time. Yes. Change is happening too quick. We right. need to adapt now. We need to introduce that new program right now. And we cannot wait. And because of the, the pressure they feel, they over control they don't, they don't involve people in, in a good way uh, by mm. really listening to them, deep democracy processes. Right. And then people start resisting because right. the push, uh, it, the, the change is pushed to them instead of uh, creating a pull factor. And uh, what I really learned from process, from change process, if you spend more time in the beginning um, for involving people, mm -hmm. really listen to them, what's mm. your value, what do you want, how do you look at key trends, um, then they will open up and they will get involved and not only get involved, but really 
take responsibility for the change. Right. If you push it in the beginning because you think you don't have the time, that will take so much time later in the process to readjust to uh, to to get the train on track again. Fantastic tip! Fantastic tip for all of those uh, organisations listening to our our podcast today. Yeah. And I get you know two main things from that as well. Sometimes you've got to slow down to speed up, mm. and I guess that change because we've already said change affects everybody it's maybe an initiative from the senior management, but the people that will actually drive change are those employees, those people at the front line, those people on the floor. So if you haven't got their buy-in and if you're not involving them, then it's just simply not going to work. It's a recipe for failure. Recipe for failure. Excellent. So Camille, I'm just looking at the time and uh, we have a, a limited time for all of these podcasts. I'm going to have to start wrapping this up. It's been great to talk to you, but we always like to end with uh, the same question. And that's because we don't want our listeners to go away empty-handed. So the last question is really the gift that you've got for them, something that they can then go away and look up or read or or watch so that when they turn off this podcast, they can turn on something else and continue exploring and, and, and finding out more about this subject of change. Mm. So my last question to you, um, Camille, is what's your gift to our listeners today? What should they go and discover? Three things pop up uh, in my mind, Jim. The first one, take a blank canvas and really think about what do you want to create? We're back to the painters act, listening. We're act back like to the painter. A painter. <laughs> yeah. The second thing, uh, if you really want to create change, you can't do it alone. So start having a conversation with people maybe you 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 didn't talk before. Uh, the, the, the stakeholders, colleagues, clients. So really... Be open and, and go and have a, have a dialogue, have a conversation. And the last one, I was hugely inspired by the CEO of Mercedes-Benz in Asia. I worked with him for three years and I had a beautiful conversation with him on change and how he, how he looks at change. Together, we wrote an article about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little gift is read the article. You know, it's in the link uh, below the podcast. And also very curious, what do you get out of it? You know, if you want to send me an email with your thoughts, your ideas, or maybe your questions, I'm really looking forward to to continue that conversation. Fantastic. Great. And we can find your details then on the relevant site as well. Just for our listeners, you can find that Mercedes-Benz manager interview on www.relevancelearning.com. And also that's an opportunity for you to get in touch with Camille if you've got any other questions or comments you'd like to ask him about. That's great. That's very generous of you. Thank you so much, Camille. Um, Thank you, Jim. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Company Podcast. If you're interested in finding out more, please email us at info at relevancelearning.com. Join us next time when we will explore more topics to help you stay relevant now and in the future.